0: We're starting a series today called Partnering with Jesus. And it's just been a theme that's been on my heart. I've been saying it throughout our fasts, and it's something that I'm like, you know, I guess we're supposed to talk about this. God wants us to partner with him, not just say that we believe, and yes, not just pray, but also partner with him. And so I want us just to open up in prayer and ask the Lord to begin to speak. Even as I'm speaking, the Lord would speak to your heart about what that looks like to partner with him. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus just for supernatural insight, revelation, and grace so that we can each day, as we're going about our day, realize that we are working together with you. In that sense, Father, we are equal with you. We are working together hand in hand, Father, to see your kingdom established and expanded in our lives. Would you show us what that looks like, Father? We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name amen. So we need to begin to add works and feet to our faith, works and feet to our faith. Um, how many of y'all have tried talking to somebody about Jesus and they say, well, I know Jesus. I, I, I believe in God. You know, I believe in God. Yeah, I, I, pray, I pray. I talk to God. That's, that's a real, that's that's a, that's one, that, um, that's one thing that people say that can stop a conversation real quick. If you're trying to witness to somebody about Jesus, and they say, well, I talked to Jesus. We're like, oh, you talked to Jesus. Okay, they understand that you, you need to have a relationship with the Lord, so I guess they have a relationship. And we begin to back away from the conversation, right? They say stuff like, well, I don't need to... We're, I'm saved by faith. I'm not saved by works. I don't have to do anything to go to heaven, which that is true. The truth is. There, we can't do anything get, to get to heaven. Unfortunately, a lot of denominations, a lot of churches, hang their hat on. Well, I baptize this way, or I go to church on this day, or I, whatever. What they don't and what they don't realize is they're basing their salvation on what they can do. So you don't, you're not saved by um, by what you do. You're only saved by faith. But I'll say this: many people say these things because. They don't want accountability for their actions. They say, well, I believe in God. I believe in God. And they think by saying that, they don't have to do anything for him. They say, well, I have faith. I don't have to work. Well, that's half of the story. But the truth is, most people, I remember there was a girl in college who said that, and I really didn't know how to respond to her. But she said, oh, I go to church, I believe in God, you don't have to do anything. But I saw just the way she spoke in class, I heard some of the things that they would do, and I thought, she doesn't know God. There's no works to prove that her faith is real. And so, yes, um, yes, we're only saved by faith, but works are important. Look at James 2, verse 14. It says this, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? He's saying, if you come across somebody who is hungry or doesn't have clothes that that really needs these things, and you say to them, man, I'm going to pray for you that somebody blesses, I was going to say blesses your socks off, but they need those socks, blesses you with clothes, (laughs) blesses you with food. I'm going to pray that God gives you everything you need, but you don't do anything to help them. He said, what good is that? He said, that's not faith. Look at uh, um, verse 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. And then uh, James tells him, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. He said, you say you have faith, but you don't have works. Let me prove to you that I have faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. There is no value to say you believe in God and don't prove it because even the demons believe. And they're not going to heaven. They believe in God. We as believers need to go beyond just saying, well, I believe in God or I, you know, I talk to God or this or that. What, what is our life saying? What works are, are on display to prove that we know the Lord. Look at 20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person? He says, these people are fools. These people who say, I know God, I believe in God, but they don't have any proof. You foolish person. He says that faith apart from works is useless. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son, Isaac, on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. If you remember the story of Abraham, God called Abraham to sacrifice his his promised son on an altar. And if you remember the story, Isaac was the son that God gave him where he said, hey, through your son Isaac, all of the nation, the whole world will be blessed. So when God told Abraham to take his son up, he was essentially going to... Crucify and kill his dreams, but God wanted to see if Abraham was going to serve Him not for what He would promise him, but because Abraham loved God. And right when Abraham lifted the knife, God said, "Stop!" Now that I know you love me, it says in this verse that faith was completed when he walked up that mountain and went to kill his son. The works proved that he was going to obey God no matter what. He didn't just say, "Well, I, I, I trust God," and "No, I'm not going to sacrifice my son. You're crazy, God. I'm not going to go do that." His works prove that his faith was real verse twenty four You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. There's an analogy that kind of came to me a while back, and it's the an analogy of a tree. Imagine you plant an apple tree. What do you expect after the tree matures and grows, what do you expect for the tree to give you? Apples, right? If we were to give you oranges, you'd think, "Oh man, I'm planted the wrong, the wrong seed or whatever you expect if you plant an apple tree to get apples listen to this the apples prove that the tree is there if there are no apples no fruit that comes out of that tree there's either two th- oh, there are two things that have happened number 1 the tree is not healthy or number 2 number 2 the tree is not is not real the tree is really not there our works are our fruits. People say, well, I love God, this and that, but there's no, there's no fruit. There's no evidence that you have been planted. One of my, one of my favorite pastors says, says, if there is no proof, then you're probably not saved. There are many people who go to church who say, I believe in God, but there is no proof that they know God, that they talk to God, that they're serving God's people. According to, according to this passage, uh, James is saying, your faith is not alive, it's dead. If we had a tree and no fruit was coming out, we would say there's something wrong with the tree. Or if there was no fruit, then we would say there's really not a tree there. We're not saved by works, but our works prove that our faith is real. If there are no works, there is no faith. That's just the bottom line. Any good tree planted, and in in, um, I think Armando mentioned this earlier, the last service, when we are planted, when we have good soil, good tree, uh, good plant and good fruit will come out. But if we're not planted in good soil, nothing's going to come out. So we have to know that, we, that works are important. Now I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, chapter uh, verse 1. Now that we understand that we have works that need to accompany our faith, once we realize that, then we know that God wants to begin to use those works for a purpose. And I just want to say this. Each of us have a part to play in establishing the kingdom of God. Now you may think, um, and it, require, it requires works. It requires work. We're not, we can't just come to church on a Sunday morning or every once in a while and expect the kingdom of God to grow. It won't happen. We can't make him just part of our schedule. He has to be everything. When we do that, then we'll, begin, we'll see the kingdom of God begin to grow. You know, many times churches, they, they focus on, and we have in the past, we focus on people feeling good and people coming in, and I think those are important. I think it's good to have good worship, good teaching, good kids ministry, all, all these things. But the truth is, we are not here to make you feel good. We're here to make you look more like Jesus, so this is why we're talking about this. We have to ha- it's not just enough to have faith. There has to be proof that your faith is real. Look at verse 1. In this passage, Paul is talking about building the kingdom of God. He says this, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Paul's saying, there are some amazing things I want to share with you. Truth, not just so you can have more knowledge, but truth because it will lead you into more freedom. You'll have more response. There'll be more responsibility. I'll give you more things to steward so that you can bless other people. I want to impart some things to you, but you're not ready. He said, when I should be giving you meat, I have to still give you milk. This is hard to, to receive, but in this room... We have a lot of adults in the natural, but in the spiritual, we not only have spiritually mature adults, we have adolescents, and many of us are babies. It's the truth. doesn't matter how old you are. How, 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 yeah, and we know this because we know some people that, even though they get older, they don't get wiser, right? Anybody know that person? Don't raise your hand too high, that might be you. Um, just because we go to church on a Sunday morning or every once in a while it doesn't mean we're mature. I know plenty of Christians who have gone to church their whole life who still are holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness towards people. They're not mature. They don't know the word. If they read the word a little bit and meditate on it, they'd get convicted and say, I need to forgive that person. I need to move on. I need to get, I need to get through this. I need to serve. I need to do this. I, um, I did a quinceañera for Micah. Um, couple weeks ago and one of the things I spoke about was um, transitioning from childhood into adulthood and I gave a few points and the first thing I told her and I told the other people in her court and just really everyone is the first step in becoming an adult is realizing you don't know everything. That's right. That's good. You don't know everything. And you will never know everything. You will need people to come along and I told her I said Micah You're smart, but there are some situations that are going to come up in your life. There are some roads that you're going to walk down that you've never been to before. How can you know what pitfalls to avoid and the warning signs and the danger signs? You can't. You need someone to come along and help you to show you. If we are going to grow, we need to realize that we don't know everything. This is Paul's talking to the Corinthian church. He says, I want to give you solid food, but you're not ready. How do we grow? When we we realize we don't know everything, we say, all right, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to be taught. I'm willing to be a This is a hard one. I'm willing to be told what to do. This is for everybody. If you do not have... If some... (laughs) I'm going to step on some toes. If someone you trust is trying to tell you something in your first response is to defend yourself. I would really check my maturity. Again, if someone you know loves you and has proven themselves to you, and your first response is to defend yourself, who defends, what what age group defends themselves with everything you try to teach them? Kids. They know everything. We have to mature into adulthood. Okay, enough of that. In the verse, verse 3, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh? He, to talk, he begins to address uh, what, they're, what they're struggling with. He says, while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. So Apollos was another teacher uh, for the Corinthian church and for, for um, the, the different churches in the area. He says, when you say, I follow Paul and another person says, I follow, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? You know what they're saying? They're saying, I, well, I follow that teacher. I like this teacher, but I don't know about that teacher. Oh, I go to this church, that church. Hmm. I go to this church. We go to Kingdom Church. <laughs> Hopefully you don't say that. Um, I go to this church. He says, aren't you being behaving only in a human way? Aren't you being merely human? Verse 8, 5, what then is Apollos? Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Who is Paul? All these people are servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. All these people have the different skill sets, but in the end, God is the only one that will cause his church to grow. This is why only he gets the credit. Which one of us, since we're using the plant, which one of us can command a plant, a plant to grow out of the ground? No one can. We can plant it. We can plant the seed. We can water the seed. We can do all the, put it in the right sunlight, this and that. But we can't make that seed grow. Only God is the one that makes, makes it grow. In light of this process, Jesus is the most important component. However, we do have a role to play. We, some of us water, some of us plant. Look at verse 8. He who plants and he who waters are one. We're all the same. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. He begins to transition. We're going to come back to verse 9. But I want us to read verses 10 through um, 15. Because I talked about this last week when I talked about heaven and hell. Look at verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. So we're transitioning from talking about... Plants and trees into buildings. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He says this. I'm a builder. We have different builders. We're all builders. But there's only one foundation, and it's Jesus. If you want a foundation that is going to keep you from falling into depression, falling into fear, falling into anxiety, falling into whatever, you have to make Jesus your foundation. Verse 12. Now after this, if anyone builds on top of the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, look at these, he says all these, are, and I'm going to read in a second, all these are about to be put in the fire, look at these materials, which of them when they are put in the fire are not going to be burned up? The first three, gold, actually gold when it's put in the fire in tribulation and trials is purified, it's made more valuable, silver, same thing, precious stones, Wood, hey, straw, as soon as those materials go in the fire, they're burned up. Verse 13, he says, be careful what you build with, This, this material or that type of material. Each one's work will become manifest for the day, the judgment day we talked about last week, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on their foundation survives because they used Gold, silver, precious stones, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Back to my point last week, what we do in this lifetime matters. It matters. Us obeying him, us surrendering to him, us doing what he wants and not just what we want matters. Because here's the deal. There are going to be many Christians who go to heaven that built on their foundation Jesus things that aren't going to have value in the next life and they're not going to have a reward for those things. Many people, we're going to get to heaven and yes, they'll be saved and that'll be great. But God has unique rewards for us that he wants to give us, but we have to use things that will carry value. I'm not saying that working for nice things, house, cars, education, vacation, all these things. I'm not saying they're bad. I want all those things, but God is looking at the heart. What are you going after? What are you focusing your heart on? Like I said earlier, all the things that God has given me, I wasn't even thinking about some of the big things. I wasn't even, I was focused on what he was asking me to do. God is asking, what, where's your heart at? Jesus, we talked about this last week. Jesus said, store for yourselves treasures in heaven where fire can't get to it where thieves can't steal it. Because if you put your treasure in relationships, in people, in things, on this earth, guess what? Sin is still very active, there's still evil people and those things can be taken like that. Then what? Store for yourselves treasures in heaven where thieves cannot break in and steal, where rust can't touch it. What are we building? What we do here on earth matters. This is why committing to this fast, committing to these nights of prayer, obeying the Lord and saying, you know what, I'm going to forego pleasure on this side of eternity so that in heaven I can have pleasure in what he has for me forever. What we do on earth matters. Let's go back to verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. The Tree of Life version says it this way. For we are God's co-workers. This may be hard to comprehend, but God wants us to work together with him to build his kingdom. You are important. We are co-workers. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says this, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're his ambassadors. He has a kingdom, and we are his ambassadors, his messengers. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And then look at verse 1 of chapter 6. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you to not receive the grace of God in vain. He says, working together with him to, to receive the grace of God. God is wanting us to partner with him and to see ourselves as co-workers with him. We're called to expand the kingdom, Matthew twenty eighteen: Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Um, many times Paul gave his testimony how God saved him on the road to Damascus and said that he wanted him to go and preach the good news to the Gentiles. So here's a question. God wants, to, God wants to partner with us and wants us to see him as co-workers, but does he need us? I just, we just read how God wants, wants us to work together with him, but here's a question. Does he need us? It's a tricky question, right? If God needs us, then that means he's not all powerful, right? We could talk about that for a long time, but the short answer is no, he doesn't need us. His will will be accomplished whether or not we come in alignment with Him or not. Alignment with Him. His will will be done. But if He doesn't need us, then why is He asking us to see ourselves as co-workers with Him? This is the heart of my message, this statement right here. This is why. God wants us to partner with Him in building His kingdom so that we can share in the joy He feels when someone is set free. He wants us to share in the joy he feels when someone is set free from addiction, set free from bondage, set free from depression, set free from anxiety, set free from fear. Have you, have you dealt with any of the things I just mentioned or something else and someone came along, spoke truth to you, and literally saved your life? I know many of us have. How much do you appreciate those people? They're invaluable, right? God wants us to go on this journey with Him and partner with Him so that we share in the joy He feels when someone is set free. Because let me tell you, there's nothing like when we partner with the Lord. Have, you ever, have any of y'all ever built something with your kids? Like a, a craft or a model car or you built something or or Anybody? Or maybe you did it with your dad. Maybe, who has a memory of doing something with their dad growing up? And it's just like, man, I, I'll always treasure that memory of partnering with him to build something. Raise your hand. I just, I'm just really curious. Anybody? Okay. When, w- let's say you were helping your, your son or your daughter with something. and Let's say the job was kind of complex. Who did most of the work? Some of you all parents who do the homework? Yeah, I did all the work. Yeah, I've seen that meme. I'm sorry, this came in my head. Um, that meme where they say, where the kid the parent is checking the kid's homework. The, the kid got a failing grade, but the parent did the homework, and it's like, oh man. It's like, man. And they're like in second grade, like, man. Sorry, kid, you're on your own. Um, but in something that was really complex, who did most of the work? You did, right? Or your father did. But in that experience, who experienced the most joy? Think back to when maybe you did something with your dad or your uncle, mom, whoever. They probably did all the work, but that is a memory that you remember more deeply than they did. Than they do, maybe. God is the same way. In Matthew 11, 28, it says, Come to me, all who labor and have a lady, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. There are two yokes. There's the heavy one and the light one. God wants us to partner with Him so that we can experience the joy of seeing someone set free from hell, from depression, from sickness. We all admire firefighters, police officers who go and save people out of burning buildings or, or dangerous situations, right? This is what we are doing. And it's, I know it can be hard to see, but if we could just see into the Spirit, there are demons around us. There are angels around us, but there are, there are forces at work trying to kill us. God wants us to partner with him so that we can see people set free. And there's a joy that we experience, just like there's a joy when we experience these different things with our kids or with our parents. How do we partner with our father to build his kingdom? This is how. We actively do what he wants in the way he wants. We actively do what he wants. How do we partner? Okay, God wants us to go and establish the kingdom, go into all the earth, make disciples. We know all the verses. We partner with him. We actively do what he wants in the way he wants. And this is something we've been praying through our nights of prayer. Each night we've been saying, Lord, today, how do you want us? This is something I've been praying, God, tonight. How do you want our church to partner with you and pray through some of these issues? What issues tonight do you want us to pray? Do you know God wants to speak to you every day? He wants to speak to you and show you what you should be praying about, what you, you should be focusing on in this season. And so every night we've been saying, Lord, how can your kingdom be established in my life and my family? In Af- we've been praying a lot for Afghanistan. We've been praying for healing. We've been praying for our nation's leaders. How can I partner with you today to see your kingdom established? And honestly, it reminded me of our vision, to know Jesus, hear his voice, and follow him. Many of us have heard this, and you'll keep hearing it. Jesus didn't have an original thought. He only said and did things that his father said and did. Yes. So Jesus, in a sense, was a co-worker with the father. It was the father's blueprints. It was his idea. And then Jesus would go and execute it. He would say, okay, I'm going to go into this place. I'm going to go into this town. I'm going to heal this person. I'm going to hear from the father it's his kingdom, not my kingdom. It's his will, not my will. And I'm going to go and with my hands, with my feet, with my voice. I'm going to go and set people free. Look at John 5 verse 15. Jesus had just healed a man who had been crippled for 38 years. It says the man who he healed went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But look at Jesus' response he told these people who were who are criticizing him, "My father is working until now, and I am working." He says, "The Father told me to do this. I saw the Father do this in heaven and the supernatural, so i 'm going to manifest it in the spiritual. This is what God is wanting us. This is how we can establish the kingdom. Jesus wants us to see people healed, set free. He wants us to, has anyone ever been put on your heart to pray for somebody? Like this overwhelming feeling? You call them and they say, man, you don't know what I was going through. You call at the right moment. This is us expanding the kingdom of God to see people healed and set free. There is a joy that God wants us to experience whenever we do this. God wants to partner with us. In the book of Acts, all the apostles just start reading several times where they were led by the Holy Spirit to go to this place or not go to that place. This is how the kingdom of God will expand. Listen to this. God only blesses what he births. It has to be his idea. Many of us are, are um, living our lives the, the best that we can, but we're not really considering the Lord. Many of us are going after dreams, that are not his dreams many of us are pursuing things that are not his idea and God is saying I'm not going to bless that baby I know you have spent a lot of time many months trying to to create this dream but I'm not going to bless it because I didn't birth it but if you will hear my voice and understand that even though in the moment it may not look better than your dream but in the long run it is if you will hear my voice I will bless the things that are put in your heart. you know one of the things I realized about um, myself when I was preparing for this message is that over the last three years, one of the main things that has changed in my life is that I have developed more confidence as a, as a son of God, as a believer, and as a leader. When we started the church, we had a clear word to start this church. It's super clear. But if I'm honest, in my heart, I was saying, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work. Like we don't have this piece, we don't have that piece, we don't have this, we don't have that. And, and in the middle of all going, on, I don't know how this is going to work. That each year, as we've been listening for his voice at the beginning of the year, saying, Lord, what is, what is your heart for us this year? And I've see, as I've seen God literally produce miracles in our church, it has gained this confidence that when I hear his voice, I can be confident that what he has spoken to me will happen. You see, church, there is a better way than just hoping life is going to work out. Well, hopefully the issue. hopefully, I, I, and I didn't really realize it, but the last several times I've heard people say that, I thought, no, you don't have to hope. You can know it's going to work out. You can know that you're going to be okay. You can know that God is going to provide for every need that you have. One of the things that happened, and it's been a while since I've shared this, but at the beginning of 2020, God gave us the word that our church, that this is the year we were going to build where we thought nothing could be built, and we're going to plant things in the ground in places where we think nothing can grow, like in Odessa right? There's not a lot that physically grows here. We got a lot of bushes and desert, desert um, bushes and, and, and trees or whatever, um, whatever we got out there. <laughs> Apparently this is like the biggest oak forest. you heard that? Like the biggest oak forest, like in the United States, but I'm like, they're like little bitty oaks. they like, or whatever that is. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, God told us we were going to build and plant and see things built, be built and grow. What happened two months later, COVID hit. You know COVID shut down the world, and it still shut down to some degree? I know many churches, I know people personally where their church shut down. Their church shut down after a few years of being being a church. I know uh, pastors where they had to cut staff's pay or just cut staff and say, hey, I'm sorry, we can't pay anymore. Do you know that year not only did we not cut staff pay, we hired more staff? Do you know now on, on top of all of buying all the things needed, to have worship services and, 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 and these different things, we were able to bless, we were able to give away $100,000. And we were a church of a, 200 people. Over a course of, we, God provided for every need that we had, and we were able to give everything away. That doesn't happen unless God says it's going to happen. All right. This is why, <laughs> this is why it's vital for us to hear His voice. I... The bottom line is, there's a better way to live. There's a better way to live that God, is, that God has given to us than just for us just to hope, well, hopefully it'll work out. No, we can't know, but we have to seek first his kingdom. We have to seek first, seek first his way. When we do that, we'll see it. Now, how are we building God's kingdom at Kingdom Church? How is our church, our body of Christ, building the kingdom of God? Well, we're focusing on his vision. This is our vision, to know Jesus hear his voice, and follow him. Now, everyone's called to the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the good news. But just as um, our body has different functions, our ear, our eyes, our brain, every church has a different function in the body of Christ. How are we teaching people this vision to know Jesus, hear his voice, and follow him? Three ways. This is practical, so I don't have any verses here, but this is how the Lord has revealed to us how we are to build the kingdom. Number one, you attend services. Number two, you serve the body, and number three, you join community. You attend, you serve, and you join community. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk more, um, I'm gonna talk about small groups uh, at the, here in, in a minute, but I wanna first mention the other two, which we're gonna talk more about next week. Attending services and serving the body of Christ. In one, in attending on a Sunday morning, you are being poured into, right? You're hearing the word, you're worshiping with other believers, but in serving their body, you are pouring out of what you have received. Do you understand that analogy? One you are being poured into and the other you are serving. Both are required in that kingdom, everyone serves. Why? We want if you go to our, go to the kingdom, we want everyone to serve. Why? Because everybody, every person is a part of the body and every body part has a function. You are all needed. There's no one we can't afford to have you on the sidelines. We need everyone to serve cuz everyone plays a part. But we also need you to be filled up. We need you. We need your heart to be filled up. This is why we have attend one, serve one. There's no point, and I'm going to am going to talk more. I'm all about this next week. But how many of us have been to churches where all they did was use you and say, "Can you can you serve in the kids? Can you serve on the media? Can you serve on the worship?" And there was never an opportunity for you to be poured into. Anybody? Know? Can anybody relate? we just don't want you to pour out we want you to be filled in with with what the lord is saying to our body this is why it's vitally important for us to not just attend but also serve and not just serve but also attend now for a lot of us this is a lot of work like that's an extra hour or extra two hours and this and that i'll say this i'll say most of us and we say this because of how we were raised how we came into the church I will say most of us were not in healthy environments. That's just the bottom line. Many of us are saying, well, that we're, saying, we're saying, well, I don't want to because I need to do this. Do we really believe that extra hour or extra two hours is more important than serving or being poured into? That's what we're saying. We're not being poured into. We're saying, hey, this is more important. What I'm going to do the next hour or two is more important than being filled in or giving out. Our provision is not found in our hands. Our provision is seeking first the kingdom of God. As I said earlier, everything I've gotten, God has given to me once I started focusing on him. There was a, there was a time about eight, year, eight years ago where I wanted this car, and it was out of my budget, and this and that. And, and I struck, I, I, it was a headache. And God said, you went after that out of my timing, and that's why it's a headache. But if you will first pay attention to me, ask me, what do you want me to do in this season? And in that season, it was a hard season. There wasn't a lot going on. But the Lord knew that, that if I would be faithful in the season that I placed me, he would give me everything I need. And that is exactly what has happened. We are not tools here. We need to be poured into so that we can pour out. Okay. And then lastly, join community. We're going to kick it off next week. What is a small group? A small group is a group of people that meet together on a regular, regular or weekly basis. We have, we have several semesters, a spring, summer, and fall. This is the mission. To create a space where relationships can grow and people are challenged to take the next step. Why are small groups important to me? Because this is where we develop community and this is where we take the next step. I'll say this first. You cannot have a good relationship with God unless you have a good relationship with other believers. It's not enough just to have your childhood friends or your buddies or whatever. You have to have relationship with people who are going to push you to take the next step. Who are going to call you out when you want to do something that is not godly? That is not why. I say, hey, you're better than that. God has something more, more important and valuable for you. You can't. You don't. You can't. Don't do that. Let me. Pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's talk it out. You need people in your life. This is where. This is where it happens in small groups. And then we're challenged to take the next step. You can see how logically that makes sense. I ask this question every time I, because to me, it's just a good um, fruit of small groups. How many of y'all learned to pray out loud at small group? You never prayed out loud before? And, and many people learn to pray out loud at small group. This is where we're challenged to take the next step. At Kingdom, this is how we, we support the vision. We teach people to know Jesus, hear his voice, and follow him, is to join community in small groups. When we focus on the vision, God will give us provision. Again, whatever he births, he will provide for. If it's his baby, you can, you can be sure he'll take care of it. But if it's your baby, man, hopefully you got enough money, you got enough time, you got enough energy, whatever, to take care of it. I don't know about you, but I want to, I want to birth his child. Amen? Amen. All right. I want to end with this. Acts 2.44. You may not realize this, but the early church... Looked more like a small group than what we see right here. I'm going to show you. 244. It says this And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, listen to this day by day, not Sunday by Sunday or once a month, month by month. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received, look, they attended the temple, they went to service, and then they broke bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day. Wow, those who were being saved, I just, I've never seen that. It said go back to the last verse, 46. Day by day, what do they do? They went to the temple together and they broke bread. They had a small group every day and they went to the temple every day to worship. And then the verse before that says that they sold everything they had so that everyone was taken care of. Day by day they did this. And look at verse 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day. Listen to this. Some of us are only being blessed every once in a while because we only go to church every once in a while. Some of us are only being blessed whenever we give, whatever, every once in a while, because they were blessed day by day because they were committed day by day. It's just a question, how much do you want God to bless you? It's not, let me just dispel this lie right now. God's blessing you is not, he's not waiting. He's not, he's, we're not waiting on God to bless us. God is waiting on you. How? And this is a revelation that God gave me yesterday. And many of all that were here heard, that, heard this. God is waiting for people to stop being ashamed to serve him. To raise their hands, to sing, to tell people about Jesus. I feel like he told me, if I, if I find somebody who is not ashamed to bless me and reach people for me, I will not be ashamed to bless them. God really is, James four four seven. draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 4, 8. God is waiting for us to step up to the plate. I don't know about you, but I need, I want his blessing not my blessing.